nobody say a word. We'll just get up quietly from the table, no negative comments, and we'll just go to a restaurant. And with that, she went back into the kitchen to get the food. And when she came out, the husband and son already had their coats and hat on. Amen. Convinced that uh, Thanksgiving wasn't going to be that good. Thanksgiving. It is a great time for us to express thanks. Amen. It's a good time to relax. It's a good time to be around those that we love. A good time to enjoy good food, praise the Lord. And a good time to have uh, time with family and enjoy good friendship. And even time to watch a little bit of good football. Amen. Got any football fans out there? Just me. Hey, a lot of them. Amen. Praise the Lord. But in the midst of it all, in the midst of that whole Thanksgiving celebration, there's something else that we have to consider. As we talk about being thankful, thankful and great, grateful for all of our blessings this Thanksgiving, we must also admit that problems are still a part of our life. All of us will have problems right up until the day we die. And listen carefully, some of us will have problems even after we die. The question for you today is this. How can we be prepared for these troubles we know are coming? I mean, it only makes sense to me that if I know troubles are coming, then I need to do something to get ready for how I'm going to deal with those troubles. Paul's letter to the Philippian church will help us do just that. Keep in mind that as the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian believers, he's doing so while being under house arrest in Rome. Now, today, courts enforce house arrest by putting an electronic ankle monitor around your leg. But back then, they just chained people to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. Now, you might say, well, that's better than going to jail. And yeah, it was probably better than going to a, a stinky, wet dungeon. But Roman soldiers could be ruthless. Roman soldiers could be cruel and inhumane. So in many cases, house arrest could be pretty brutal. Yet still, when Paul writes to these Philippian believers... He does so filled with thanksgiving, filled with joy. And so I want you and I to see today how you and I can learn to pray with thanksgiving and with joy. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the first chapter of Philippians. It's on page um, 1032 in my Bible. Amen. Y'all can come up here and look at it with me if you want to. In Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. Paul writes to the Philippian believers, and I believe that the Philippian believers could have been just like me and you. So Paul could have just as well been writing to you. And he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with all joy 
for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things which are excellent, and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, here we go, to the glory and praise of God. How can we learn to pray with that kind of thanksgiving? How can you and I learn to pray with that kind of joy? Well, the first thing we need to learn to do is we need to learn to pray as a first response, not a last resort. Are you hearing me, church? Pray as a first response, not as a last resort. Paul said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Prayer was always a first response for Paul. He prayed, God, I thank you for all the blessings in my life. He said, God, I even thank you for these chains. I thank you for the persecution. I thank you for my troubles. I thank you for my problems. Now, Lord, teach me. Teach me the lessons that I need to learn from them. Paul always started with prayer. But for many of us, it seems like to me that prayer is our last resort. We wait until we're sinking in the quicksand of life and there seems to be no way out of our problems and almost as a last resort, we cry out to God and we say, Help me, God. Save me, God. I'm in deep trouble here. Can't you see? Now, several years ago, a U.S. Air passenger plane crashed near Pittsburgh. And it was a mystery about this crash because it seemed like that the plane just fell out of the sky. So with great interest, the investigators listened to the information that was found in the plane's black box. News broadcasts played a portion of that recording for the world to hear, and it revealed just a few seconds from the time that the pilot revealed that there was trouble and the plane crashed. The black box revealed these words, kind of went something like this. First there was a, oh, bleep, followed by a bunch of profanities, followed by several curse words, and then a crash, and then silence. Now, friend, if you learned that you were suddenly getting ready to die, would you curse or would you pray? Let me tell you exactly what you'd do. You would respond instinctively. You wouldn't even think about it. You would do, you would respond in a way that is most natural for you to respond. 
I read this week that we are what we repeatedly do. Are you hearing me, church? We are what we repeatedly do. In other words, integrity is not an act. Integrity is a habit. What kind of habits are you developing in your life? What do you do naturally when trouble comes your way? When your plane's about to crash, what do you do? How do you respond? Paul says, prayer ought to be your first response, not your last resort. But he goes on to say there in verse 3 that we also ought to pray with an attitude of gratitude. Listen to what he said in verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always and in every prayer of mine making requests for you all. Now you didn't know last week we found out that Jesus was southern. Amen. Did you know that Paul was southern too? Notice how many times it says you all. Always, make, always in every prayer of mine making requests for y'all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day till now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day Jesus Christ comes. Praise God. We ought to be offering this first response as a prayer of thankfulness, not a prayer of complaint. Listen, y'all, this is so important. Nothing inhibits prayer more than a grumbling, complaining spirit. Nothing inhibits your prayers more than a complaining spirit. Now, this week I heard that complaining about God is sin. But complaining to God is a psalm. All through the book of Psalms, we see God's people pouring out their hearts to God. Pouring out their problems to God. Telling God about their trouble. They're not complaining about God. They're just complaining to God. Like Paul, friend, you and I have a choice. We got positive things that happen every day. We got negative things that happen every day. You can choose. You can choose to focus on the negative and be an unhappy grumbler or you can choose to focus on gratitude and all the wonderful things that will happen as a result. Now, Paul was grateful. In chains, being persecuted, chained to a Roman guard, he was grateful for his friends at Philippi. And he had the absolute confidence that God was doing a mighty work in them. That God was going to continue the work that he had begun in them. Can I tell you this morning that God has a plan for your life. That God has a mission he has called you to do. That God has a place that he wants you to do it in. Friend, listen, in spite of your problems, in spite of your trouble, in spite of your heartache, listen, friend, God's not done with you yet. God's not finished with you yet. You are right on the cusp, right on the verge, friend, of overcoming something that you've been, you've been dealing with for far, far too long. You're right on the verge. 
Your mind and your heart, it'll soon be back peace again. That's the promise of God. He'll bring to completion that which he's begun in you. Listen, everything's going to be okay. You're in good hands, praise God. Everything that's happening is happening according to the perfect timing of God. Can somebody say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. You're in good hands today. What he's begun in you, he will bring to completion. And Paul looks at his friends at Philippi and he says, Man, I see great potential in y'all. Amen? Because he's southern, right? He says, I see great potential in y'all. I see good work, God, working in y'all. I see God completing something in y'all. See, he developed some really, really close friendships with those folks in Philippi. And in verse 7 and 8, we find that we sense, rather, that, that Paul is really thankful for his friends. He truly loves his friends. Just listen to this in verse 7. Just as it is right for me to think of y'all because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Y'all are partakers with me. Praise the Lord. Amen. For God is my witness how greatly I long for y'all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Wow. Now listen, I'm no Apostle Paul. But I get it. I'm no Apostle Paul, but I kind of understand what Paul's saying here. Because I too am so thankful for y'all. Amen. I'm so thankful for y'all. I'm so thankful for my brothers and sisters here at Bethel Baptist Church, my church family. I mean, I have had the blessing of watching God work in many of you for over 15 years now. I'm so thankful. And I'm convinced that God is not even close to being done with y'all yet. Done with us yet. So how are we to pray? We're to pray as a first response, not a last resort. But we're also to pray with the attitude of gratitude. Friend, all you have to do is think for a second about something that you're thankful for. And pray along that vein. Be thankful for those that God has placed in the intersection of your life, be thankful for those that God has placed in your life. But Paul's not done yet. Because he says, if you're going to learn to pray with thanksgiving and joy, you also need to learn to pray for God's glory, not your own. Now this is the big one, amen? We need to learn to pray for God's glory to be done, not our own. Verse 9 says, And this I pray... Your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. And here he comes, to the glory and praise of God. Would you all agree with me that we live in a very me-centered life? Would you agree we live in a very me-centered world? I mean, everything revolves around me. Amen? Everything revolves around my happiness, my wants, my pursuits, my pleasures. Everything revolves around me. But up until 480 years ago, 
everyone believed that the universe, that the sun, and all the planets revolved around the earth. Did you know that? And then along comes Copernicus in the year 1543, and he says, no, y'all. The earth is not the center of the universe. Fifty years later, Galileo says, no, the planets revolve around the sun. The planets revolve around the sun. But people were so opposed to that idea that they threw him into prison and kicked him out of the church. I mean, the very idea that we are not the center of the earth was unthinkable. But God has a very important lesson in this for you and I today. The world don't revolve around you. The world don't revolve around me. The world revolves around God. See, God's priority is not my comfort. God's priority is not your pleasure. God's priority is not our happiness. So if God's priority is not my happiness, then what is? God's priority. I mean, if God had a to-do list, what would be number one on his list? Number one would be, how am I going to reveal my glory? Why did God create the universe? In Psalm 19.1, he said, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Why does God allow troubles in my life? Psalm 50, verse 15 says, And they'll call upon me in the day of trouble, and I'll deliver them, and they will glorify me. Why did God send Jesus to earth? Jesus said in John 17, 4, I have glorified you, Father, in the earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do. Everything that God does, say everything. Everything that God does is to reveal his glory. Even the brutal death, the cross, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus was permitted so that God would receive glory. Now, this doesn't mean that God has an ego problem. I think you and I would agree that if you or I did everything just in order for us to get honor or glory, man, we'd be considered arrogant, pompous, and egotistical. But here's the deal. God doesn't reveal his glory for his own good. God doesn't reveal his glory for his own good. No, he reveals his glory in everything that happens for our good. He reveals it for our good. He wants us to witness his glory. He wants us to be a witness for his glory. He wants us to to see his glory and then reflect that glory to the rest of the world. 2 Corinthians in 3.18. The Bible teaches that we're supposed to be like mirrors. Mirrors that reflect brightly the glory of God. And as the Spirit of God works within us, then we're to become more and more like him and reflect his glory all the more. It's all about reflecting his glory. I mean, friend, why did God give you the talents and abilities you have for his glory? Why do you have money 
or poverty to reflect his glory. Friend, why do you have victory or struggles in your life for God's glory? Everything that happens, everybody that exists, everything that was created was done so to give glory to God. And that includes you today. That includes me today. It's all about him. Amen. Everything revolves around God and his glory. The world doesn't revolve around you. It doesn't revolve around me. It revolves around God. I mean, consider this for a moment. Your success, your success in business, your success in marriage, your success as a Christian, your success is for God's glory. Any success that you have has been given to you by God. God lets you excel. Why? So that you might make him known. The question for you today is, do you? Do you? Your success is for God's glory. But did you know that your body is also for God's glory? Think about this. Your body is simply God's tool. It's just a vessel, a vessel that God's used or is using. So we need to maintain that vessel. We need to maintain this body. Why? For his glory. We, the Bible calls our body God's temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, we need to live a life that respects the fact that it's the temple of God. Why? For God's glory. That's why God gave you a body, friend, so that he would get all the glory. There's a third one. Did you know that your struggles are for God's glory? Your problems, your trials, your struggles, your heartaches, even the tragedies you endure are permitted to bring glory to God. Just one purpose. To bring glory to God. When people see you put your trust in God right in the middle of your struggles, God gets the glory. When people see how God brings you through your trials, God gets the glory. When people see your faith in spite of your circumstances, say it with me, God gets the glory. So let me ask you this question. Are other people strengthened because of your struggles? Are other people strengthened because of your tragedies? Do people see the glory of God in the midst of your trials? Friend, you need to know this today. You've been chosen. You say, I don't feel like I've been chosen. You've been chosen. You've been selected. Selected for the glory of God. 
You've been chosen to reveal the glory of God. And God will use whatever he wants, amen? He'll use whatever he chooses to reflect his glory. Sometimes he'll just use the whole universe to reflect his glory. Other times he might use a beautiful sunset to reflect his glory. One time he even used the old wooden rugged splintery cross to reveal his glory. God will use you for his glory. God will use me for his glory. God will use us as the body of Christ for his glory. Are other people seeing the glory of God in the midst of your struggles? Last week, Jesus said, Let your light so shine that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. Isn't it wonderful how these messages seem to go right together? Let your light so shine that people see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Friend, let's not waste one single opportunity to give him glory. We ought to wake up every morning and say, Lord... How can my life give you the most glory today? I don't care what I'm going through. I don't care the burdens I'm bearing. I don't care about the trials. I don't care about the struggles. I don't care about the problems. I don't care about the troubles. How can I give you the most glory today? So what is the motivation? What is the reason that you and I live like we do. The overriding purpose for everything that we do in our life, especially as believers, ought to be to bring praise and honor and glory to God. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said, Whatever you do, do all. Say all. Do it all. Why? For the glory of God. So is prayer a first response for you or a last resort? When you pray, do you pray with an attitude of gratitude? I read this week that thanksgiving is a testimony. When people hear you being thankful, when they witness a grateful life, that is a testimony. When you pray, are you seeking the glory of God or the glory of self? Can I tell you that God is most glorified when a lost sinner puts their faith and their trust in his son Jesus Christ to be forgiven of their sins and to be accepted into the family of God. Nothing more glorifies God than that. So I want to ask you today, and I want to ask our folks that are on social media today, are you glorifying God today? Have you glorified God by giving your life to Him today? The Bible says that now is the time of salvation. Behold, today 
is the day to be saved. I pray that you'll learn to pray with thanksgiving and joy by making prayer your first response to pray with an attitude of gratitude, gratitude and to pray for God's glory, not your own. Let me pray for you. Father, we praise you this morning for this wonderful way of communication that we call prayer. And Lord, we are so 